We'll start first with the ninth chapter of Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 9. Then we'll read from the fifth chapter of John's Gospel and also from the fourteenth chapter of John's Gospel. Now the ninth chapter of Matthew, the thirty-fifth verse. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease or every manner of sickness and every manner of disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now in the fifth chapter of John's gospel, beginning to read with the first verse, after this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole. And took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterwards Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made Whole. Sin no more, 
lest a worse thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought to kill him because he had not only broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making him equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself. But what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. Hallelujah. Now, turning to uh, the uh, 14th chapter of John's Gospel, we read a very familiar passage that we've looked at many times. The 12th verse. Verily, verily, Jesus said, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. You know, we've been conducting these daily services, and I've been here most of the time, of course at times we're gone, but for a number of months now. Actually about 21 months, almost two years. And so teaching every day on the subject of healing, naturally you have to go over and over again, same, same truths, same scriptures. Sometimes the Spirit of God lead us to look at them from a little different angle and uh, from a little different perspective. And it really helps us to see the truth more clearly. And so... Uh, during this uh, 21-month period, twice I have uh, uh, gone over a Bible lesson that I have on seven methods of obtaining healing through the Word of God. And so what I'm saying today is very closely associated with that. But you'll find that the healings of Jesus and the healings that he performed were actually performed in mainly in, uh, come under mainly two categories. Now, of course, it all comes from God. You notice Jesus said here that I can do nothing of myself. We read that. I can do nothing of myself. Well, if that is so concerning Jesus, the Son of the living God, how much more is that so concerning us that we can do nothing of ourselves? And so because he could do nothing of himself, and the reason he could do nothing of himself was because when he came into this world, he stripped himself of his mighty power and glory. Or another translation said he laid aside his mighty power and glory. So then he had to be anointed and was anointed by the Holy Ghost after being baptized of John Jordan's River. And, and then he began his ministry. And so he said then again, whatsoever I see my father do, that's, that, that's what I do. Praise God. 
And then here he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me. Well, now that's, that's us. I believe on him, don't you? So then he's talking about all of us, not just one certain one of us, but all of us. He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. Now, notice the reason he gave was because I go unto the Father. That's the reason that you're going to do the greater works, the works that I do and even greater works, because I go unto the Father. Well, you see, uh, here in this same 14th chapter of uh, John's gospel, just a little later on in the chapter, we was reading the 12th verse there. Jesus said in the 16th verse, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter or another helper. See, while he was here, he was their helper. But he'll send you another helper. Even the spirit of, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Then he said to King James translation, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. I will not leave you helpless. Oh, praise God. Thank God we're not helpless. Another translation said, I'll not leave you orphans. We're not orphans. I will come to you. And in the power of the Spirit, thank God he does come to us. Now, in the 26th verse, he says, but the comforter, the helper, the paraclete, you see, which is translated comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. See, here he very plainly tells us who this comforter, another comforter, helper is. It is the Holy Ghost. But the comforter, the helper, the paraclete, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now then, in the, in the 15th chapter, very interested in the 15th chapter. And of course you understand that the Bible wasn't written in chapter and verses. Man did that to help us in reference. And what he's doing here actually is in the 15th chapter just continuing uh, about what he was talking about in the 14th chapter. Now notice what he said in the 26th verse of the 15th chapter of John. But when the comforter is come, this same helper, same Holy Ghost that he was talking about, you see why he said, the works that I do, now notice, now notice the comforter, the helper, the paraclete is in connection with this, that uh, verily, verily I send you the works that I do, he that believeth on me shall he do also, because, here's why you'll do them, because I go unto the Father. That's why. And if I go to the Father, you see, I'm going to send you. Hallelujah. Same spirit I'm anointed with. Amen. The Holy Ghost, you see. All right, so here he said in this 26th verse, but when the comforter is come, when the helper is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. Now in the 16th chapter, he has some more to say about it. See, this is all because I go to the Father. In the 13th verse, 
How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come? He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. So the Holy Ghost does speak, but he doesn't speak of himself. Whatever he hears, that's what he speaks. Whatever he hears Jesus say, whatever he hears the Father say, that's what he speaks. He shall speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it to you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. Now, all of this has to do with uh, doing the works, actually, that Jesus did. Because, you see, that's the way he did the works. Remember the text there in Acts 10, 38? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now you see, he said the same, in other words, when you sum it all up, the same Holy Ghost that I'm anointed with, I'm going to send him to you. Praise the Lord. Now there is one exception. If you turn back to the third chapter of John's gospel, you'll notice this 34th verse here. John, actually John the Baptist is a bearing witness concerning Christ. And he said in this 34th verse, for he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. For he giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. Now that implies that we have the Spirit, that's the same Holy Ghost, by measure. I've said it before, I'll say it again, I'm thoroughly convinced that uh, the whole body of Christ has this Holy Spirit in the same measure, but that not one individual member of that body would have. But thank God, the same measure, same measure, the, the same Spirit, praise God. Now then, Jesus then, if we are going to do the works that he did, let's stop and analyze just how he did the works. And as I said, there's something else there the Lord wants to bring out. I don't know what it is. I just got it down in the spirit. But uh, it comes under more or less two, two headings. And, and you can see that throughout the charismatic movement in Christendom. First, because he is anointed by the Holy Ghost or with the Holy Ghost. And it's by that spirit that he is doing these works. Then you see the Holy Spirit manifest himself through his ministry as the Spirit wills. Now you see, of course, we understand some things that people in Jesus' day or even in the Old Testament didn't understand because we've got further revelation in the New Testament. You see, we have in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians given to us a resume concerning the gifts of the Spirit and the manifestations of the Holy Ghost. And there he said, you know, that there are diversities of gifts. And he said, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit, and so on. 
And so you see the Holy Spirit manifesting himself through the ministry of Jesus. Remember now Jesus said, I can of myself do nothing. And so you'll see all of, the, of those uh, gifts of the Spirit or manifestations of the Spirit except tongues with interpretation manifested in the ministry of Jesus. For instance, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, the gift of special faith, the working of miracles, and gifts of healings and prophecy. And all through the Old Testament in the lives of prophets, and kings, and priests, you see the manifestation of those, the Holy Ghost manifests himself. In other words, that's nine ways that the Holy Ghost manifests himself. But you do not see tongues with interpretation of the Old Testament, nor do you see tongues with interpretation in the ministry of Jesus, because tongues with interpretation are distinctive of this Holy Ghost dispensation, you see, uh, which we are now living. Hallelujah. And so, the Holy Ghost would manifest himself. Now, the Lord, these manifest, these gifts of the Spirit of the Holy Ghost, you see, whom I'll send, you see, he manifests himself through us as the Spirit wills, not as we will. But now he may, out here, you see, those are manifested through us, then they're manifestations. But the same Spirit, because there's just one Spirit, may work out here in demonstrations. It's the same spirit, you see, but he's demonstrating his power. When it's operated through us, he's manifesting his power. I believe in both manifestations and demonstrations of the power of God. You know, Paul talks about that in Corinthians. You might, you might just turn there if you wanted to and look at it just a moment. And you see that Paul makes mention of the fact that when he preached to them there, in 1 Corinthians, my speech and my preaching, the fourth verse of the second chapter, was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith shall not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now in the fifth chapter of John's Gospel, we have a demonstration of God's healing power. See, it didn't come through Jesus. God sent an angel down from heaven and troubled the water. Amen. See, that demonstrates God's power, doesn't it? Now, angels don't have any healing power. Amen. You know that as well as I do. But you see, God saw fit to do that. I mean, the scripture just said here is that the pool of Bethesda, Bethesda, there are five porches full. Halt, main, blind, so on and so forth. Waiting. For a certain season, in other words, in our way of talking, in other words, ever so often, this angel would come down and trouble the water. And like I said, uh, he couldn't have come on any kind of a schedule because if he did, there wouldn't have been a need of them being out there every day. If he just came every first Tuesday, well, that, that is beyond necessarily to be out there on Tuesday. You know, like down in East Texas, on, they have some trade days on first Monday. Well, there's no use going on second Monday. There's nobody there or third Monday, or fourth Monday, if it's ever first Monday. And you go, and there's, there's, the farmers bring stuff, you know, and so on and so forth. And some of those things have been built up into quite big affairs. Well, now see, if the angel came every first Tuesday, well, there's no use of going any other day because he's not going to come anyhow. 
But it seems to me that it may be that uh, he'd trouble the water and then just again right away trouble the water. Maybe tomorrow. Then, then there may be a long stretch, you see. In other words, no one knows. So these people are laid or brought there every day because he might come. Nobody knows. Now, what does that tell us? That tells us that God, in his sovereignty, does some things on his own. And you see, it's in line with the will of God because healing is the will of God. Now, notice this. Just stop and analyze this for a moment. Let, let, let's, let's go in a little more, little more analyzation of what happened here and, and, and see. Let, let, it, let it speak to us. You see, the first one in got healed, didn't he? Always. Just that one. If the second one got in, he didn't get healed. But the first one in got healed, didn't he? Didn't he? And there's no other qualifications other than that they get in the water first. That's, that's the only qualification. It doesn't even tell us that there had to be a Jew. Does it? Doesn't say the first Jew that got in. Or the first one of the house of Israel that stepped into water. It said the first one in, didn't it? Didn't it? Uh, there's no discrimination, Jew or Gentile. Or the way we'd say it, whether they were saved or unsaved. Amen. If they got in the water, they got healed. There's no discrimination whether there's a man or a woman. That wouldn't make any difference. Whether there's a boy or a girl. Whether there's pretty or ugly. Whether there's rich or poor. Just the first one in. Now you see, that demonstrates something to us. You see, like I said, that's a demonstration of God's power. Now let's ask ourselves a question that is asked so often and this is a great debate about is, is, is healing for all? Well, if it's not, it's strange. You see, some people said, well, it's God's will to heal some and some it didn't. But isn't that strange that the one that it was God's will to heal always got in? And it wasn't God that put them in. It's them. Are you listening? See, God's trying to tell us something. Now then, is healing the will of God? Isn't that strange then that here God would send an angel down to work against his will on the earth to bring healing to somebody? See, it demonstrates, that demonstrates the fact that healing is the will of God. You see, what God's trying to do is to get people to see he's still in the healing business. Well, now, why didn't he just heal all of them then? Why not just everybody that could get in get healed? Well, that's easy. You see, the Bible teaches us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what he's trying to do is stimulate their faith to get the rest of them to believe. Are you listening to me? He'll do some things, you see, out here in this area of divine sovereignty, which is in line with his will and his word, of course. And as signs, as wonders, trying to stimulate people's faith. To encourage them, praise the Lord. You see? That's why he does those things. Now then you can readily see that uh, here in this fifth chapter that Jesus came along. Here where all these five porches were. Five sheds as we'd call them. Full of all these people. And so the scripture tells us that uh, as Jesus came there, 
Here was a certain man that had an infirmity, 30 and 8 years among the, the group. And when Jesus saw him lie, now I want you to see something here. I want you to see a manifestation of God's power. See, we just looked at the demonstration of his power. A manifestation of the Holy Ghost. But the manifestation, talking about the gifts of the Spirit, uh, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. It said in that 12th chapter. All right, it said here, here's the man, 38 years in this condition. Had an infirmity, 38 years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew. Jesus knew, saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case. Or in other words, we'd say a long time. He knew that he had been a long time in that way. How did he know it? By the Spirit of God, by the Word of Knowledge. He knew that. See, that's, that's Spirit of God operating. Now, knew that he'd been that way, in that case, a long time. Saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Or said unto him, Will. <laughs> Isn't that a strange saying? Will, will, will you, thou, instead of saying thou, you, way we talk, modern talk, he'd say, Will you be made whole? Well, now, if it's all right for Jesus to ask people, will you be made In other words, will you be healed? It's all right for us. I used to do that in, in ministry to people on an individual basis. You know, meetings got so big we didn't have time to stop talking. But everybody that I'd laid hands on for healing, I'd ask them, will you be made whole, will you? Well, Brother Hagin, I sure hope so. Well, I said, you won't. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Will... Has your will got anything to do with you being made whole? It must. I said it must. It must. Will you be made whole? You see, we need to realize that there's a manward side and a Godward side to every victory. Hallelujah. You see, we need to realize that it's not all God and it's not all men. You see, that's where a lot of folks are missing it then. So to ask them the question, themselves the question even, will I be made whole? Will, will I? Will I? In other words, do, do I have something to do with it? They, they want to just put it all on God. Will God make me whole? You know, Jesus never did ask anybody that. Will God make you whole? See? In other words, that's what they're asking. Will God do it? I, I hope he will. I, I sure hope so. You see, most folks in the area of healing, they, they, they want somebody else to do it for them. God or Jesus or the preacher or somebody, uh, but I don't have any part to play. See? But you see, Jesus is saying to the man, will you, in other words, modern usage, will you be made whole? Well, the important man answered, said, sir, I have no man when the water's troubled. See, he still got his eyes on that to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, another step is down before me so he never gets in somebody always beats him Jesus saith unto him now notice notice Jesus didn't touch him Jesus didn't pray for him do you notice that now now see on other occasions he did he touched people didn't he uh, 
on some occasions, you know, he, he put put his fingers in the ears, spit and touched a dumb man, found uh, couldn't talk tongue, laid hands on a man's eyes, and so on and so forth. Spit one time on the ground, made clay of spit and rubbed it on the fellow's eyes, blind man. Sometimes told people to do something. He said to the ten lepers, go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifice for your cleansing. They weren't healed when they started. Did you notice that? I mean, they all tore out. They all started there to, to the priest, you know, and still had the leprosy. As they went, they were cleansed. What if they hadn't went? They wouldn't have been cleansed. They wouldn't have been cleansed. Isn't that right? Now, now, now uh, here's another little side thought that we might take in here. I'm just, uh, you know, not preparing anything here for a day or two. I'm just letting the Holy Ghost pull out of the inside of me whatever's in there that he wants to pull out. For the, you know, the, the, I, just, I detected that there's something down there he wanted to get out. Amen. For the benefit of the folks, you see. And so, uh, so, so, so here's another little, little side thought that we, need to, that we need to think on for just a moment. Notice, because remember now, you see, this is all in relation. The works that I do shall ye do also. He that believeth on me. Well, notice the variety of ways that he ministered. See, he didn't always minister the, to everybody the same way. I think sometimes we make a mistake trying to deal with people always on, on, on anything for us, but particularly healing all the same way. You know, we want to we don't just sort of roll out the dough and cut everybody out in the same cookie cutter. You know what I mean? You understand what I'm saying? You see, without, as Jesus said, I, I can do nothing of myself. We need to realize that the Holy Ghost has got something to do with this. Yes, the Word of God, all right, but the Holy Ghost also has got something to do with this. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. So Jesus said to the man, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. Now in my mind, we have a manifestation here in the ministry of Jesus of the word of knowledge and gifts of healing. You see, it was, I cannot get this, I cannot myself do nothing. Whatsoever I see my father do, that's what I do. You see, because the Holy Ghost told him, because he's seeing into the spirit realm, saw his father say, rise, take up bed. So he said, rise, take up your bed and walk. That's the way a lot of those things are manifested a lot of times. Praise God. Well, now then, I want you to notice something now. Here's another, another thought that we looked at, but we may look at it just in a different angle, you see. Uh, here's five porches. Now, here's something else about God moving, you know, like the troubling of the angel, trouble of the water, or manifestations of gifts of the Spirit through one that has the Holy Ghost. Did you notice he didn't say to everybody that was there, rise, take up your bed and walk, and you know, there's a lot of them on bed and couch and so on and so forth, wasn't it, weren't it? Did you notice that he just ministered to the one man? Did you notice that on this occasion that this is the only one of the whole crowd that got healed? Now, must be because you see here what it said? Meeting the man was made whole, took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him, that was cured, it is the Sabbath day, it's not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, he that made me whole, the same said, take up thy bed and walk. They asked him, what man is that which said thee, take up your bed and walk? He said, and he that was healed, wist not who it was. <laughs> he didn't know who it was. 
Amen. He didn't even know who it was. Isn't that right? No, he didn't know who it was. And he that was healed wist not who it was. For Jesus, now why didn't he know? For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. In other words, there's a crowd there, so he just stepped into the crowd and went on his way. Isn't that what it said? I said, isn't that what it said? Now you see, that tells us something about uh, gifts of the Spirit in operation. Now, if you want to understand a little bit more about that, turn back then to... Uh, to Luke's gospel, the fourth chapter, and see just a little further inside also into the same truth that we're bringing out here. This again is concerned the ministry of Jesus. Bear in mind the works that I do, shall ye do also. Now then Jesus, you know, here in hometown of Nazareth, returned into power of the Spirit and so on. Then he went into Nazareth, his hometown, where he was brought up. The custom was he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, stand up to read, and there's driven unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and they found a place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken heart, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty to them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it to the minister, and sat down, and eyes all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears, and all bearing witness, and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto me, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we've heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I said, You no prophet is accepted his own country. Notice he gives them two scriptural illustrations because, see, they knew the prophets. They had the Old Testament. I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, or that's Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout the land. But unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Sarepta, city of Sidon, to a woman that was a widow. Now, you remember went into this widow's house and the working of miracles, which is one of the gifts of the Spirit, you see, was manifested through him. And the meal barrel just kept giving meal. See, he asked her to make him the last cake, you know. She had enough meal and oil for one more. And then she and her son's going to starve to death. That's it. Isn't that right? But you see, the working of miracles, working of miracles is one of the gifts of the Spirit, you know. And so that meal barrel just kept giving out meal and that oil cruise just kept pouring out oil during that whole three and a half years of famine. Well, now why didn't he go in ever with this house and do that? He couldn't. See, if he had tried to done that in some other widow's house, he'd have fell flat on his face. You see, it, Jesus said plainly that there were many widows in Israel, but unto none of them was Elijah sent, save to this one. Now, why didn't Jesus then, at this setting, you know, by evidently here was the word of knowledge and gifts of healing in operation, or perhaps the gift of faith? I don't know for sure. But I do know it's a manifestation of spirit. Why didn't he work that forever, that whole crowd? Why just that one? Well, it's like Smith Wigglesworth said. Talking on about the gift of faith. He said, when the gift of faith is in operation, you know ahead of time what God's going to do. You see, you minister to that one. He said he was, for instance, when he first came here to America in 1923, he was attended a camp meeting just out of San Francisco there and, and preached. And one day he was riding a streetcar in San Francisco, and they still got those old cable cars, you know, just 
as a demonstration of yesterday. But he's riding along on one of them, and there's a paper boy coming along. He didn't know him. Never been to America. He's an Englishman. Never been to San Francisco before in his life. And so this cable car stopped, you see, for some to get on, others to get off, and others to get on, on the corner. And this paper boy had some kind of a fit. He's maybe an epileptic seizure or something like that. Fell down on the sidewalk, began to thrash around. And Wigglesworth said, without thinking, because the Spirit of God told him, said, I jumped off that cable car, run up to that fellow, never seen him before in life, didn't know who he was, any more than a man in the moon, and rebuked the devil, commanded to be whole, lifted his feet, and he's just perfectly all right, and run up, jumped back on the cable car and went on. <laughs> Praise God. Well, now, why didn't he stop on every street corner and help somebody? The Spirit of God never told him to. He wasn't sent. Why didn't this fellow go to every witness house? He wasn't sent. See? All right, now then the next fellow here. Here, here, here's the next illustration that Jesus gives. And so you see, in your teaching, you're going to have to give some illustrations too to explain to people how things work. Amen. All right, now note it. Many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. And none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. In other words, but Naaman the Syrian. Now, you see, you've got to understand that he's not talking about that Naaman's the only one that got healed of anything. He's just talking about leprosy. You've got to understand that he's talking about the Spirit of God operating through somebody. Remember, he started by reading, the Spirit of the Lord's on me because he's anointed me to do these things. Understand that? See, that's what he's talking about. Now, you understand this, that Elisha, had a healing ministry. And he had a fame and a reputation of getting people healed. How do you know he did? Well, as you go back there to the Old Testament, you read where this little maiden that Naaman had captured some of those folks, you know, and taken them captive. And among them was this little maiden that was a slave in his home. Remember that? And so when she found out that her master, Naaman, had the leprosy, remember what she said to Mrs. Naaman? Said, I would God that my master, Naaman, were in the, in the land of Samaria, for there's a prophet of God there that could cure him of his leprosy. Well, if nobody had ever been healed under him, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say there's a prophet over there that could cure him, would you? Would you? So people had to have been healed or they must have be being healed under his ministry. Are you following me now? But you see, uh, they could get healed. Now, now here's something you need to see. Here's something we, we, we haven't seen. We, you know, think, we, we wondered about things, trying to figure them out, you know. You see, Israel had a covenant of healing. They could get healed on a different basis than what Naaman could. You see, God made a covenant with Israel. Remember that back there? And said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. You walk in my statutes and keep my commandments, and I'll take sickness away from the midst of thee, and the number of your days you'll fulfill. Naaman didn't know that. He'd never heard that. He didn't know that. God didn't make any covenant with him anyhow. Then, you see, if Israel got sick, if any of them needed healing, all they had to do and I'm sure that, that Elisha spent his time teaching them, getting them healed more that way. All they had to do was, as the 103rd Psalm said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all is within me, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thine diseases. All they had to do, you see, because if they were sick, 
I said them, not you now. It was because that they had sinned. Because he said, if you'll walk in my statutes and keep my commandments, I'll take sickness away from the midst of thee, and a number of your days you'll fulfill, didn't he? I said, didn't he? That's what he said to Israel. More than once. Well, then all they had to do then was to repent of their sin. They could get healed on a different day. They didn't even need any manifestation of the Spirit of God for healing. Did you ever stop thinking about that? Now, it might happen, but they didn't need it. All they needed to do was to repent of their disobedience, praise God, because they knew. And that's reading the 103rd Psalm, 3rd verse said, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thine diseases. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. Glory to God. Praise God. Or like the 107th Psalm, for instance, belong to them. Look at it for just a moment if you want to. I think it'll help you. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Now notice what he said here in this 107th Psalm. In the 17th verse, fools. Now this is talking about Israel now, not you. It could be. It could apply to you all right. I said it could apply to you all right, but not necessarily so. See what I mean? Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. Well, now that has to be so because, see, God said, you walk in my statutes, you keep my commandments. I'm talking about Israel now, you understand that. Yet you can learn something here. There's a principle, there's a thought, we, can, we get something. See, you walk in my statutes, you keep my commandments, I'll take sickness away from the midst of the end, and number of your days I shall fulfill. Those are exactly the words he said to Israel. Well then, if they are sick, how come I'm sick? Because they fail to keep his commandments. Because they fail to walk in his statutes. Isn't that right? So then you see, fools. I mean, what, isn't that foolish? Foolish to take yourself out from under something that good. <laughs> Praise God. Think about it. He said, God went on to say, we read it more than once here, and the number of thy days I shall fulfill. In other words, he said to them, you can live your full length of time down below to a great age and not have one sick day. Boy, a fellow would be a fool to get out of something like that, wouldn't he? How do you get out from under it? Through sin, transgression, disobedience. Fools, boy, they were fools, weren't they? Fools. Because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. You see, they're just about dead. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. Oh, hallelujah. Woo, glory to God, hallelujah. Oh, isn't, isn't he wonderful? I mean, even then, in a mess like that, you, you've been a fool. <laughs> you know, sometimes I've just had to say, Lord, I'm that fool. <laughs> I played the fool and erred exceedingly. What a fool I am. I wouldn't call you a fool. But you might be one. <laughs> if you are, you know it. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And I said, Lord, I'm that fool. I, I, that's me. That's me. That's me. I played the part of a fool and have erred exceedingly. But oh, thank God for his great mercy. Oh, thank God for his great mercy. Oh, thank God for his great mercy. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, 
Oh, it's not a sin to cry unto him in your trouble. Hallelujah. And he saveth them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them. Woo, praise God. And delivered them from their destructions. And look at that 21st verse. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Well, what is his goodness? Just got through demonstrating and healing, healing, healing. Oh, my, 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 how we missed it in the church. You know, you think about, you quote such great scriptures, the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. And people just think entirely, just, just one-sided, you know, lopsided. Well, thank God he's good to save. He's good to forgive. Isn't that wonderful? But notice, notice, here it talks about his goodness in connection with healing. I wonder if he's any less good now than he was then. Does God ever change? Does he ever change? No, no. Oh, that men would praise him. Praise the Lord for his goodness. What? He sent his word and healed them, delivered them from their destructions. Oh, praise God, delivered them from that thing that would have destroyed them. See, they were near to the gate of death. Oh, that men... All that men would praise him for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God for his goodness. Praise God for his goodness. For the Lord is good to heal. Hallelujah, for his wonderful works. Wonderful works. What were these works? He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Hallelujah to Jesus. And Jesus did those same kind of works. And Jesus said the works, the works, the works that I do shall he do also. Who? He that believeth. Well, first of all, we'll do them just like they did them under the inspiration move the spirit of God I, I tell this story sometimes it's a true story I'm going to tell you the particulars ahead of time I didn't know them I spoke them without knowing see because I was inspired by the spirit it was a supernatural manifestation of the power of God but here was a young lady just 16 years old in my healing line now I learned later that you see just at an early age and you know just 16 then barely 16 in the healing line but that the doctors wanted to operate on her and at 16 years of age remove all of her female organs, a hysterectomy. You see, all of them at 16. Because you see, she'd got out. Now, now she's come to know the Lord and she's been baptized the Holy Ghost. But before she got saved and came to know the Lord, she got in with a gang, you know, and got into immorality and sexual sin and contacted, you see, disease. And, and all of her female organs are diseased and they're going to remove all of them. She's constantly hemorrhaging like a woman with the issue of blood. 16-year-old, constantly. There's an issue of blood constantly. Only things remove all of her female organs. That's all. Now, see, I told you ahead of time so you can preach it. Now, you see, I don't know that. But here she come. I don't know all of, all of it. Here she come. And when she comes, the Spirit of God said to me, see, I told you I always when I deal with people individually, particularly put up my spiritual antenna. 
You know what I mean by that? I, I tried to explain that to some extent yesterday, see. And so I began, you see, to reach out toward heaven with my spirit. And I heard him say, you know, fools, because of their iniquities and because of their transgressions are afflicted. Well, now, surely in her case, that's why she's afflicted. She's got into immorality, sexual sin, and all kinds of junk and mess. And she got this. And so I said, uh, and, and so I heard the Spirit of God say, fools, more than once, three times I believe he said, fools, because of their transgressions and iniquities are afflicted. Uh, acknowledge that you are that fool and you'll be healed. I didn't have to pray for her. didn't have to lay a hand on her. And I see a scripture to pray for people. That's how this people. Many have been healed through prayer. Scripture lay hands on people. The Bible said they lay hands on the sick and shall recover. But if God says do something else, why don't lay hands on them? It won't work. If God said do something else, you can pray to your blue in the face and nothing will work. You see what I'm talking about? And so I just said to her, fools, because of their iniquities and because of their transgressions and their iniquities are afflicted. Acknowledge that you're that fool and you'll be healed. And she started crying out, I'm that fool, I'm that fool, with, with tears, and fell down on her knees with that, I'm that fool, I'm that fool, and was perfectly healed. <laughs> Hallelujah to Jesus. Hallelujah to Jesus. And yet, I, I don't believe in that, in that healing line, I wasn't led to minister in that special way to another one at all, not one single person. Well, if it's not there, there's no use you trying to manufacture it because you can't. If Jesus couldn't, you can't. So you better forget it. He said, I can't of myself do nothing. And if that's just you trying to do it, you're going to fall flat on your face. But now then, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Now, see now. Now, here's a group over here. They believe that's the only way Jesus heals. He just especially manifests himself, you know. And if he doesn't, well, there's nothing you can do. Well, now, is that the only way Jesus ministered? No. No, it isn't. Well, the works that I do shall ye do also then. So we are going to do works that way. Some of us, maybe not all of us, but some of us are. But now, how other? What, what, how else? Well, now, did you notice this? This is a good illustration. There's not a better one in there. If you'd go again to that sixth chapter of Mark, you can see it clearly. We read a little bit there. In, uh, in that fourth chapter of Luke uh, uh, about the ministry of Jesus in his hometown of Nazareth. And if you go on reading, you'll find out that they run him out of town. So he didn't do much there. Now Mark, talking about the same thing, said in the sixth chapter of Mark's gospel, the fifth verse of his ministry in his hometown of Nazareth, we might read, for instance, the fourth verse too also. It's very similar to what Jesus said over there in we just got through reading. But Jesus saith unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and his own house. And he could there do no mighty work. That's Jesus in his hometown of Nazareth. Not he wouldn't, he couldn't. He could there do no mighty work. In other words, he didn't have any manifest... Anything the Holy Ghost does is a mighty work, folks. See? He had no manifestation of the Spirit there. So he didn't tell anybody, rise up off your bed and walk. He didn't tell one single person like he did there at the pool of Bethesda. Are you listening to him? Rise, take up your bed and walk. No, you didn't tell him one that. You didn't do any mighty work there. And uh, save, or in other words, we'd say, but or however, that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. 
In other words, there were a few that did get healed there. And the Amplified says a few sickly folk on the uh, W. Vines' Parsdor Dictionary New Testament words brings out the fact that the Greek said he laid his hands on a few folk with minor ailments. Minor ailments. So it's safe to say those few that did get healed didn't have much wrong with them. So he doesn't have any manifestation of the Spirit. That would have been a mighty work if some fellow had been bed fast for 38 years. He had said, rise, take up your bed and walk. Wouldn't it? I said, wouldn't it? If some blind person had been healed, that would have been a mighty work, but he could there do no mighty work. If some deaf and dumb person had been healed, that had been a mighty work. Some bed fast, crippled, maimed, halt, blind, that would have been a mighty work, wouldn't it? Or with palsy, creeping paralysis, wouldn't it? But a few folks with minor ailments. In other words, not much happened. Just a little bit happened. Just, just, just a few got healed. A few that didn't get healed only had minor things. Now why? Why, why didn't they? All right, now notice the sixth verse. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Now here's, a, here's something to stop and reflect on for a moment. You see, the unbelief of that whole city hindered even the sick people in that city. Stop and think just a little bit. Remember, go back there with Israel. Remember when they uh, came out of Egypt, Egypt's type of the world, and uh, they've uh, crossed... Uh, the Red Sea, type of water baptism the Bible tells us. They're on the way to Canaan's land, which is a type of baptism in the Holy Ghost, being filled with the Spirit, and the blessings of God that's ours. But they didn't go in. They sent spies in to spy out the land. Two of them brought back a good report, Caleb and Joshua. The other ten spies brought back an evil report. Israel accepted an evil report. Caleb and Joshua were men of faith, but they were held back 40 years by those around about them who were full of unbelief. Don't care how much faith you've got, you can be hindered by those around about you. But thank God, if you'll stand your ground, you'll, you'll arrive eventually. I mean, they eventually got into the promised land, didn't they? I said, didn't they? Glory to God. So don't give up on now. Now, here, this whole city, you see, was so permeated with unbelief till Christ himself couldn't do anything there. You understand, that's why God's not doing anything in certain churches. It's too full of unbelief. I mean, I mean, if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, anointed the Holy Ghost and having the Holy Ghost without measure, could there do no mighty work in his own hometown, you need to think that you're going to do more than him. If you do, you've got another thought coming. The servant's not above his master. Amen. Now, what did he do then? What can he do? If, 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 you remember the works that I do, shall you do also? See, all of these are his works. You don't just get your mind off on one or two of them. Get an overall look. Well, in the first place, if he don't have any manifestation of the Spirit of God, he could there do no matter work. Then if he's going to help them, he's going to have to get faith into them. How's he going to get faith into them? Well, we know now. They didn't necessarily know then because it wasn't recorded. Paul said later on, so then faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. But Jesus knew it. And so notice what he did. What he did. What did he do? Well, he marveled first because of their unbelief, and then he set about to do something about their unbelief. What's he going to do? Well, he's going to pray and fast till it all leaves. Huh? Is that what he's going to do? Well, he's just going to rebuke the devil and make him leave, and then they're all going to have faith. Huh? Well, he's just going to command them to have faith. No, there ain't one way. And he went round about the villages teaching. 
teaching. Teaching. Teaching. Teaching. Teaching. Hallelujah. We read the text to begin with concerning the ministry of Jesus, but he went round about their cities and villages teaching. Matthew 9, 35. Teaching in their synagogues. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And healing. Every disease or every manner of disease or every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. Notice he put teaching first. Notice it says, he doesn't say he went around about the villages healing every manner of sickness, every manner of disease and preaching and teaching occasionally. Huh. So you see, what are we going to do? Like I said to you yesterday, you know, I've had in, in the same service and sometimes, if not in the same service, at least in the same revival meeting or same series of meetings, same place. Manifestations of the Spirit that you, would, you dealt with somebody, you know, because the Spirit of God said to do it. And they immediately rose up and just walked right off well. But like Jesus only ministered to one in that whole five porches, you, you, you weren't told to minister to anybody else. Now what are you going to do? You're going to say, well, no, we'll just have to wait and pray now until God, you know. No, no. Thank God they can be helped through teaching them the word of God. He sent his word and healed them. That word is Jesus. He's the living word. And himself took our infirmity to teach people that. Teach people that. Now, I bring out this fact very often. Refer to it that in 12 years of pastoral work, we never did, my wife and I never did bury one church member. And yet, you know, in that 12 years, I cannot remember. And you know, most of you folks know if, that I have a pretty good memory. Fair at least. Fair to Midland. I can't remember but two of them that was healed through supernatural manifestations over a 12-year period. What, what do you do? You see, well, for instance, I said I had folks in the same meeting, same series of meetings that the Lord supernaturally led me to minister to. You know what I mean? And they rose up and walked right off well. Now, here's somebody else in a similar case. Can I deal with them the same way? Not unless the Spirit says so. I can try it, but it ain't going to work. See, you can push every button, pull every lever, say everything you said in the same place, and nothing happens. But what if you don't have that? What are you going to do? Going to do just like Jesus did, teach the people. Amen. And sometimes, you see, you can teach them publicly like we are a group at the time. But now as a pastor, you know, well, I would take that, that of course, and being there with them every day, I could go see them just about every day and just teach them every day the Word. Just talk to them, teach them. Teach them. Sometimes spend, spend virtually hours with them. But, you know, we never failed to get one of them healed. Never did bear one of them. And we had people, when I, I went to pastor one church, you see, and, and I, I hadn't even got situated in the parsonage. So one of the members said, Brother Hagin, would you go see my mother? You know, I, I had met her, you know. I'd pastored in that area before, and I had met her. She wasn't a member of that church, and still wasn't. She had just come to make her home with her daughter, who was a member of this church. You remember Mama? Yes, I remember her. 82 years old, yes, she's a... She's in the hospital, you know, with cancer of the stomach. The doctor said she's got about 10 days to live now. Would you go see her? Well, yeah, I sure will. Sure will. Well, now what are you going to do? 82 years old. 
Well, when I saw her, of course, she said, Dear Brother Hagin, I began to talk to her about getting healed, letting God heal her. I've got no manifestation. I put up my spiritual antenna, but didn't get anything. So what am I going to do? Well, I know to do just what Jesus did, just to act like he did. I began to teach her. Began to point out scripture to her from the Word of God. Well, she knows the Word of God. Yeah, I know that. But I've suffered so. Oh, with cancer of the stomach, you do, you do, you suffer so. So sick. Brother Hagin, I'm 82. I've been saved for 60 some odd years. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost for 30 some odd years. See, she didn't hear about the Baptist Holy Ghost on back there. And, and, and I'm saved, ready for heaven. And I've just suffered. Oh, so sick, so sick. Please, just leave me alone. Let me go ahead and go and die. Well, now, what are you going to do? Are you going to pray, dear Lord, just help her to go on now and make her comfortable here in these last days? No, I'm not. Because, see, I know more than that. Now, if you don't know more than that, well, that may be the extent that you can pray and according to your faith bid unto you and God would hear you and answer you and bless you as best you could. No, I said, Grandma, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I am not going to do it. Well, you're going to pray now? Before you leave, you read scripture to her, visit her, and you can't stay there too long because she's so weak, you know, and she just, you know, she just, she's got to rest. Are you going to lay hands on and pray for her healing? No, she's not in position to be healed, and so it'd be foolish to lay hands on and pray God heal her. What are you going to do? Well, I knelt by the bed and said, Dear Father God, thank you for Grandma. Praise God. Save 60 years. Actually, 63 years, I believe she's 82. 63, I think she told me. Fill with the Holy Ghost, 30 some odd years. Thank you, Lord, for Grandma. Praise God. Now help her not to cast away her confidence. It's not your will that she suffer like this and die such a horrible death. And I said, Grandma, let God heal you and then die if you want to. But see, it took me time. I mean, you know, I mean, we, we held her here. I laid hold of her spirit with my spirit and kept her here, you know, for those, those 10 days. She didn't die. She stayed here. And it took me quite a while. But we got her perfectly healed. You know, strange things. When she got healed, she didn't want to die. <laughs> she wanted to live. Just as feisty. Amen. Just as feisty. Praise God. 91, we were visiting in a home and we thought, you know, stopped by reading. We had to pass by in front of their house and lived on the highway. My wife and I traveled and thought, we'll just stop and see Grandma. But her daughter said, oh, no, Mom, you know, after a while, we talked to her a while. and said, well, we don't have long to stop and see Grandma. No, she isn't home. You know, you know, she's 91 now. Yeah, we said we figured it up. She'd be 91. That was nine years ago when she's healed. See, we'd gone on out on the field and ministry. Well, where is she? Well, you think, you know, said she's not here, you automatically think, well, she's 91, reckon they put her in an old folks' home or something. What happened? And she said, no, no. That said, she's off gallivanting around over the country. You understand that kind of language? That's a good Texas term. You know? In other words, she's just running around over the country. She's off visiting some of the kinfolks. 91 now, by herself. Well, most 91-year-old folks wouldn't know the way around the block. In the first place, if they did know the way, they couldn't get around. You know what I mean? But she buys her own ticket, you know, and just, you know, and catches what she's supposed to catch, train, bus, whatever, you know. At 91, yeah, she's off on a trip. She's off on a trip. She said she just goes constantly, just goes constantly. Praise God. I'm so glad we didn't let that old woman die at 82. How'd she get healed? Just keep putting the word into her. Just keep putting the word. I remember another lady, bless her heart, she was 72. And, and, uh, 
She wanted us, you know, prayed God would give her. You know, she's looking for some special, some special manifestation. And I just simply said to her, you are a believer, aren't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a believer. Then I said, you do have faith, don't you? See, she's saying first, she's got to be healed by some special way because she don't have faith. Well, I said, you do have faith then because you are a believer. You're a child of God. Yeah, I do, don't I? Yeah, I do, don't I? See, I taught her just, just a few seconds of teaching. Some time ago, one of her daughters was one of our meetings, and my, and my wife asked her, said, you know, we, we figured out, we saw the daughter there, you know, and she did get to her first. And my wife well, and I got to him, I said, my wife said, that was, that was so-and-so, wasn't it? And I said, yeah, that was her. That, that's so-and-so's daughter. My wife and I figured up, said, you know, she'd be 95 if she's still alive. Well, of course, I know everybody don't live to be 95. You know that. And I do, too. So my wife then got to her, you know, and asked her, you know, said, is your mother yet alive? Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, Sister Hagin, she's 95 now. Yeah, she, she said, Brother Hagin, I figured that up. She would be 95. She is 72 when I administered to her. Yeah, she would be 95. Well, my wife said, how is she doing? Well, said, she's doing fine. Said, she has quit driving the car at nighttime. <laughs> at 95. You know, we got a little old lady comes down here. Any of y'all ever been to our camp meeting? Remember that little lady? Comes down from Kansas. Anybody remember her, you know? This, see, last time she testified, she was 90, wasn't she? Did you know that she drove down, or drove her own car down here, you know? Did you know that our third camp meeting was over Sheridan, Sheraton East, that she was crippled, that she was there on a crutch or cane or what? what? No, she's on a crutch. And was crippled and was instantly healed. Hallelujah to Jesus. Been out working for God ever since then and drove her own car at 90 years of age from Kansas. Topeka, Kansas, wasn't it? Topeka, down here to the camp meeting. She'll be here this camp meeting. We'll have her testify again. She's a cutie. She's a cutie. Praise God. Amen. Just live wire. Oh, glory to God. Now, that doesn't just belong to that woman. God didn't just single her out and said, we're going to make an example of her because she believed. See, you can teach people to believe. You can teach people the word of God. They can act upon God's word for themselves. Hallelujah. Or you can, the two of you, in a mutual faith, can act upon God's word. Hallelujah. See, the Bible said, these signs follow them that believe. How many of you folks believe? Let's see your hand. Well, what about we that believe? What about us? They'll lay hands on the sick and shall recover. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, that's what the Bible said. Doesn't it? I said, doesn't it? Now notice what that said. If you don't know where it is, it's Mark the 16th chapter, 18th verse. Notice in the 15th verse, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now that's plain enough, isn't it? He didn't go say save everybody because you couldn't save them anyway, but preach the gospel. Tell them Jesus already died for them. Tell them Jesus already forgiven their sin. He's already wiped it out. He's already been a curse in their place. He was made sin for them who knew no sin. Hallelujah. Amen. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Now one of them is what? They shall lay hands and pray a week and fast three days. And if they're good enough, no, no. See, we want to add something to it. It's like an like a, a associate pastor right here in Oklahoma told me. Out of their church, they had a lady Missionary, she was out in the Navajo reservation to the Indians out in Arizona. Well, their church supports her, 
She is sent by their particular full gospel denomination, Assembly of God, actually. So this associate pastor told me, you see, that their church, you see, had made up provisions for her, you know. They'd sent things for her and for the Indians there that were poor. And he had a trailer load of stuff and food and clothes and stuff, you see. Trailer load he pulled behind his car. The trunk was full. And he and his wife took a few belongings, you know, and put them up in the car with them. But the trunk and the trailer and even part of the back seat is full of food stuff and clothes for the missionary. You know, not, not worn out stuff, but good stuff. And for the Indians to help them, you know, because they're so poverty stricken and so on. And he's going out there to take this tour and going to preach a week there in the mission. And he said to me, in this mission, you know, where this woman pastor is there, a missionary. Well, uh, there's a great big old buck Indian, great big one, that was saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, on fire for God. And, and so the lady missionary told him this story, said this fellow's wife was saved by Donald Ghost, a member of the church, and he was just a one-man terror gang. He'd go on a terror. He, he was an alcoholic. He never come to church unless he's drunk. And so then they just shuddered when he did come. Because he'd get up right in the middle of her sermon and start, he's a big guy, start breaking up the benches. They just had some plain slant benches, just break them. He'd come up here and with his fist in hand, just, just beat the pulpit to pieces, just tear it down. And everybody'd run. He'd go on a tear and the reservation police couldn't handle him. They'd call the sheriff squad out of Flagstaff and they'd send five, four and five squad cars full of men out there to corral that one man. I told you he's a one-man game. Well, the missionary said one night he came with his wife. I knew he had to be drinking or he wouldn't come because he didn't ever come any other time. And, and so she said with fear and trembling, you know, and said, of course, these people aren't educated. You, you just had to present the gospel in a very, very simple way. And I took from a text, you know, where it said, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's in there, isn't it? Romans 8, chapter 13th verse, whosoever, or 10th chapter 13th verse, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall be saved, see? And I just explained that for about 15 to 20 minutes in a simple way that children could understand. And while I'm yet speaking, you see, he got up and stood up. Oh, she said, my heart like to fail me. I know he's, he's going to break up the furniture. He had done it several times. But he come down the aisle. She's just petrified, didn't know what to do, and fell across the altar and hollered, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And everybody's so petrified, you see, because he's such a terror. And, 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 and they didn't move there for a minute or two, you see. And then they realized, here, the meanest fellow on the reservation. I mean, he, he's in the altar seeking God, hollering out to Jesus. We better try to help him. And we all made a move towards him. About that time, he got up off of his knees, on his feet, big, towered above everybody else, and said, thank God I'm saved. Well, the missionary said, you better, see, she knew how mean he was. You better get back down here and pray. You see, whosoever should call on the Lord, and if they're, you know, do enough good works or do enough penance, they'll be saved. See, we want to add something to it, see? And said, uh, oh, and said some of the rest of them said, well, yeah, I know, but he said, I'm saved. Yeah, I know, but you better get back down here and we'll pray with you. Well, he said, what for? I'm already saved. Yeah, but see, they knew how mean he was. Besides that, they could smell the smell of liquor on his breath. No, he would never come to begin with. Hadn't been drinking. You, you better get back down here on your knees and let us pray for you. He said, what for? 
I'm already saved. He said, uh, she just got through preaching, said, I can't read. He'd never been to school. But said, I, I believe her. He said, she's reading out of the good book. Said, whoever called on the name of the Lord, be saved. Said, didn't you hear me? I called on him three times. <laughs> the missionary said, you know what? Uh, he went away and I thought to myself, that poor fellow didn't get anything. We need to pray him through. But he turned out to be the greatest worker. God went on to get baptized the Holy Ghost. He's won so many of those alcoholics and filled the church up with people. He does more work than everybody else and put the church put together. And she said, you know, the Lord rebuked me. said, the trouble with you is you don't believe your own preaching. Now, they only hands on the sick. Now, we're going to add something to it. And what will happen? They shall recover. Did you notice it? Now, I know under certain conditions, it's all right to pray. The Bible teaches prayer. But notice he didn't say they'll lay hands on the sick and pray. He said they'll lay hands on. Now, why add something to that? Why not just as simply as that old Indian boy accepted the fact, didn't you hear me? I called on him three times. Whoever called on the Lord be saved, I'm saved then. And was. Turned into be the greatest Christian on the reservation. Hallelujah. Why not? Well, somebody said, yeah, but how about you laying hands on me? He didn't say, Brother Hagin, lay hands on the sick and shall recover. He said, these signs have followed them to believe. Didn't it? I said, didn't it? I said, didn't it? Now, now, if we would just simply, see, I'm teaching it. If we would just simply take the word of God for what it said and close that case out for victory, you'd have victory every single time. You that laid hands on them say, thank God I laid hands on them. Like I said, you'll recover. Believe that. You that had hands laid on you say, bless God, I'm recovering. <laughs> Amen. You may already recover it. If you did, say, I'm recovered. If you're not, say, I'm recovering. Yeah, but what if I'm worse? I don't make any difference. Just say, I'm recovering. The Bible said so. I believe the Bible. I'm recovering. I'm recovering. See, mix faith with it. And it'll work. In conclusion, Remember what God said about Israel in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament? The word spoken did not profit them not being mixed with faith. The word spoken did not profit them not being mixed with faith. You see, you've got to mix faith with that word. Jesus spoke it. They'll lay hands on the sick and shall recover. Bless God, I believe it. I said, I believe it. Say it out loud. They shall recover. They shall recover. They shall recover. They shall recover. Say you shall recover. Now if you haven't recovered fully yet, you that are sick, say I'm recovering. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. Now keep on saying it. Praise God until you're fully recovered. Hallelujah. Now we lay hands on these claws. Praise God as they touch the bodies of the sick. May the healing power of God surcharge that body or those bodies. The diseases depart from the evil spirits go out of them. It shall be done so in Jesus' name. And we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That concludes this message. For more information about Kenneth Hagen Ministries, call 1-888-283-2484 or visit our website at www.rhema.org or write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 741500126. 
And in Canada, write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Post Office Box 335, Station D, Etobicoke, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, M9A 4X3.